from Flourish DX, this is the Psych Health and Safety Podcast. With workplace mental health becoming a safety prerogative, this is the source of information on psychological injury prevention and health promotion. Hello and welcome to the UK Psych Health and Safety Podcast. I am joined today by my host, the, the most amazing South African I know, Haley. Hi, Pete. I haven't heard that introduction, so yes, here well, I am, South absolutely. African loud and proud. Yeah, I, I believe you might have been in the Adriatic last week. I was in the Adriatic, yes. I was sailing off the coast of Croatia, which was absolutely amazing. So if you can't find me, come look for me on a boat somewhere. I think I found my new passion, my new career. Peace out. <laughs> and you, said, you told me you were going to buy a boat. Is that right? The dream, absolutely. Dream. Yeah, okay. just do an Atlantic crossing, Cape Town to Cairo, not Cairo, Rio. Well, it's interesting that you should say that you have this interest because our next guest may have something to contribute to this. I've said I, I'm, I'm going to allow this, uh, this lady to introduce herself as I'm sure she's more than capable of introducing herself and explaining who and what she does. Hello, and nice to be here. Um, my name is Louise Hosking. Um, I think I'm 11 or 12 days into a really exciting new role as Executive Director of the Charters Institute of Environmental Health. Um, and for anybody who isn't familiar with environmental health, um, we cover five pillars which really cover a broad reach of health across our communities um, and not just at work either. So um, we cover housing and housing standards, public health, food safety, environmental protection and of course health and safety. So um, my background is in health and safety. Um, I completed a really fantastic year last year as the 55th IOSH president. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying my new role and it's great to be here to be able to talk about a much broader scope that I now have um, in the Charles Institute of Environmental Health. Wonderful, yes, and I had the privilege of being on the IOSH Council last year uh, and seeing you in action. Um, and it was a, it was an enthralling experience. Um, and uh, but I'm, I'm sure you're glad that uh, that year's over, and now you can focus on your vice president role as well. Well, uh, I'm immediate past president currently, huh. so that runs up until November. Um, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm handed over the reins now. <laughs> so, um, you know, the great thing about a role like that is that it gets handed across. And actually within the Charles Institute of Environmental Health, we're actually looking for a president in the Charles Institute of Environmental Health as we speak. So it's going to be really interesting for me to be supporting a president within an organization such as that having having experienced it myself no i bet i bet you can give them lots of lessons so uh, louise you know let's have this nice stuff let's get into some questioning of you now 
Can you explain to us your I have to long... say that I've rushed here today. So you have, it's you like... have. In between <laughs> formal dinners and conferences and ball gowns. But yeah. we understand. That's okay. Can you explain your long and varied career and how you ended up in your current role and particularly your journey into mental health, which is why we're here to talk, because actually you've come at this from a completely different uh, perspective. I mean, it, it, it's, it's taken one road, but I think you how you end up in mental health is fascinating that, you know, because obviously you're you're a proud regulate ex regulator like me, and, and now yeah. So if you can explain that how you've got your interest in mental health and how you've ended yeah. up. Yeah. So yeah, I mean the 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 great thing about coming is, and actually this is the first time I've really talked about my new role on a pod, which is great. Um, but the really great thing for me is I've almost, I've come, I've done a complete 360 and come back to where I started. So um, I graduated from Nottingham Trent University a while ago um, and I studied environmental health. So um, I began my journey as... Louise, was it a poly when you, when you... It No, I graduated from the university. Okay. I'm pretty sure I did. Okay. I might have joined the poly. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I graduated and became an environmental health officer and specialised at the time in food safety and health and safety. And I worked for um, a really great local authority, which is where I grew up in Cambridge. So I worked for Cambridge City Council. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm quite... I'm very purpose driven in terms of my career. So, you know, where can I go that really makes a difference? And I've, I've not had, as Pete's <laughs> alluded, I've not really had a linear career. Um, so I, I moved from being a regulator and EHO. I spent some time working, um, with the co-op. Um, so I spent some time doing retail across the five pillars of environmental health, I stayed, you know, I was still focusing on food safety as well as health and safety, environmental protection. Um, but my, I began to specialise then in health and safety as I kind of moved forward. So, um, yeah, spent a stint in construction, consultancy, um, then worked for a, a, a global property, um, commercial property organization before creating my own business so um which i recently sold so um you know after quite a long time of owning a business um yeah so i i guess in terms of your question around mental health um i think we all have personal stories about mental health um and i've certainly had some personal journeys around mental health um as a business owner as a leader and certainly now in this role that i have um and as chair of council and president as i was in iosh um you know coming off the back of the pandemic um you know we we knew that this was an issue but i think it's become as a leader you cannot separate it from what you do anymore um and I guess my passion for this is that we cannot have organisations that are physically safe if their psych safety isn't right. Um, because if people 
you know, they, they may have all the safety rules and regulations in the world within their organizations, but actually, if they don't trust those rules, if they, you know, the messages that are coming through to them are different to how they feel, um, our organizations, um, it effectively stifles creativity. It stops people from being who they really are. And, you know, in terms of our organizations, they cannot flourish unless we get this right. Um, so for me, it's an absolute foundation from a personal perspective, but also from a business perspective as well. Absolutely love the correlation between how can an organization be physically safe without mm-hmm. psychological, psychological health and safety. Um, I would love to understand, given your varied background, wonderful journey, I think amazing, and huge congratulations on the new role and selling your company. I think what a new start to a new venture, I suppose, a new part of life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, I've always been a transformational leader. You know, people ask me into their organizations to help and support change Mm. um and you know that's definitely what I do but I've actually created a whole bucket load of change for myself in the last six months which has been interesting to say the least fantastic look forward to the next you know just seeing the journey as you Mm. progress but I'd love to understand from the direction that you've come in and what we're talking about today what is it about psychological health and safety that makes sense to you in today's mm. world? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's all of those things. It's it's about having people that can thrive. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm, I'm very purpose driven in respect of my subject and being back in the environmental health community, I'm just so excited about. Um, and one of the things that I often talk about is that the reason why I went into environmental health in the first place um, was because it is, you know, protecting people's health and actually having that prevention first arena is, you know, it just makes logical sense, doesn't it? Um, and I remember my first week of lectures, one of the lecturers actually saying, we've saved more lives through um, creating, you know, safe communities, protecting public health, fighting disease, giving people decent housing to live in, safe food and safe places to work. We've saved more lives than any medical breakthrough. And that has always been my motivation across my career. Um, And now that I'm in this role, you know, I'm looking at things from a slightly different angle as well. And, you know, our membership of environmental health professionals, as well as being regulators, um, you know, certainly in this arena, um, and it covers public health. I can, you know, we, we consider it a public health issue as well as a health and safety issue. Um, but also, um, I'm really interested in exploring how we can support the mental health of our members. So, um, you know, dealing with some of the areas that they're going to deal with, 
Um, there's stress associated with that. Um, and they're in a profession where we don't have enough environmental health professionals at the moment. And certainly, you know, most local authorities in the UK have got big gaps. So those people that are there are under an awful lot of pressure. So um, really coming back to that question, it's how can we give these people a really strong foundation? Um, you know, there's also the team within the Charters Institute of Environmental Health as well. Um, so yeah, all of these new challenges around mental health are going to be things that I start to look at. But I'm only on day 12 or 13. So. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And there is no pressure because I think I think often when, especially for employees, they want a solution, but you can't just put any solution in place. And that's when we mm -hmm. got, get to talk about intervention. There are so many ways and so many interventions, but it has to be right based on needs analysis. Mm -hmm. um, but before I hand over to Pete, I just, something really resonated with me when you spoke environment and we sometimes talk about the sustainable element of psychological health and safety, but foundational, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, your environment and your workplace, you know, from a psychological health and safety perspective is your environment. And it's about making that safe and healthy. And I, I just love the correlation and the, the simplicity of how you put it in terms of environmental health and the way you've brought You've connected all the dots, you know, from housing, public health, mental health. It just said beautifully and kind of just really resonated. So thank you for making it that foundational piece. Yeah, and I think it's, um, you know, you start to look at it, looking at it from a public health lens is an interesting one as well. So, um you know, if you've got communities of people that are living in housing, you know, we're going through this massive, you know, cost of living crisis at the moment. And those people, the poorest people in our society are living in leaky houses that they can't heat, that are damp, that, are, you know, have all of these issues. And they don't know where you know, their next meal is necessarily coming from. So once you start looking at, at it through this type of lens, um, you know, those people are going through mental health crisis. Um, so, you know, that's when this actually becomes a public health issue as well. It, it, it does indeed. Um, and that's, we have to be reminded of that. And I think it's a really you know welcome reminder um and um before i go into the next question i'm wondering if Haley, because you got that quizzical look like you want to ask the question <laughs> would i be right you're not right <laughs> for the best no i'm kidding no pete i am good to move along i'm just pondering okay I, 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 yeah, um, um, i'm i just gotta be uh yeah make sure i'm uh, i get in trouble um, which is an odd feeling. Um, so, Louise, I'm going to ask you yes, about this, this term, putting the heart into health and safety. Um, obviously, yeah, for those of you that won't be able to see, we're doing a heart-shaped symbol. Uh, this is something that myself and Louise have been talking about and had the opportunity to co 
present on. So tell them, Louise, what do you mean by putting the heart back into health and safety? Yeah, so it was, um, I love my strap lines, <laughs> um, but they just come out of the blue sometimes. Um, and, you know, going into my year as IOSH president, which I, I had a year from November 2021, um, I really wanted this kind of strap line. So it became people's sustainability and putting heart into health and safety. Um, and it was really interesting, actually, because I think, you know, and I, I've been at the XL today talking about this. I think the health and safety community and profession has moved on phenomenally across the time um, that I've certainly been heavily involved with IOSH. And, um, you know, we've moved away from or we're moving away from transactional type management Um and in order to put people first, we've absolutely got to care. We've got to put the heart into health and safety. So I think when I began talking about this, um, there was definitely an element in the room that were like, oh, this is a bit wishy-washy and this is a bit, you know. Um, but it really took off. It really took off. And people have been talking about it and it's about that care, isn't it? Um, and I think our health and safety leaders are starting to understand that to get this right, they've got to show compassion. They've got to be a little bit vulnerable, um, you know, fully accessible. Um, and, you know, I'm really aware of it now that I have this role as well within an organisation where everybody's looking at you to you know, be that kind of mirror as well in respect of all of this. Um, and it's it's an interesting transition that our profession has taken. Mm. Um, and now I'm at the CIH, I'm, I'm working, you know, there's a, a, a very significant proportion of our membership are regulators. Um, so working alongside them to... to Think about how we use language, how we connect with one another, how we collaborate um, is going to become an, and it's going to be an interesting journey, but I think it's going to be um, an important one if we're to take this whole sphere of environmental health to another level. Hi listeners, Jason here. We hope you're enjoying this latest podcast episode. Now, if you're like Joelle, Alicia and myself and enjoy learning from the best, then the Flourish DX Academy is for you. The Academy includes free e-learning courses on the ISO 45003 standard for psychological health and safety at work and associated topics such as how to conduct a psychosocial risk assessment and how to create the business case for psych health and safety. All courses feature high-quality videos, downloadable resources, multi-choice questions and a downloadable training certificate on completion. Take your learning to the next level with all Flourish DX Academy courses included within the Flourish DX mobile app. Select podcast episodes from the Psych Health and Safety podcast and sister podcasts from Canada and the USA are also included. Get started with Flourish DX for free at www.flourishdx.com forward slash get hyphen started. That's www.flourishdx.com forward slash get hyphen started. Now back to this episode. Yeah, absolutely agree. And obviously, we've had opportunities during the course of the uh, 
the last year to talk about this. And yeah, there were people that just think it's a bit soft, don't get it. But actually, mm. it's, it's strategically very, very important. Yeah, and it it gives people a space to be creative and to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got to move away from organisations and companies and situations where we surround ourselves with the same thinkers. You know, we've you cannot risk assess your way out of how our world is changing. Um, but by bringing people together who are different but who respect those differences we can create a movement that will transcend what any one person can do on their own um and we need those individuals working together right now because um we have an we have issues on our hands mm-hmm. and you know one person can't solve those issues Um, We need our global communities to come together and to work together and to pull in the same direction. But at the same time, we don't want everybody thinking the same way. Group thing. So it's how we, you know, and, and once you put into the mix people who absolutely believe in what they're doing and are passionate about it um, and believe they have the answer, um, we might miss something from the quiet thinkers. So unless you create that psychological, psychologically safe environment for people to flourish in, we're we're not going to solve some of these problems that we're facing right now. I love the way you bring um, the need for vulnerability within the health and safety space. And if I think about it, I traditionally come from an HR background mm-hmm. and, and this conversation has always traditionally sat with people soft and fluffy um, and it's in the people department and that's where it stays and over the years we've seen the need to educate that psychological health and safety touches every part of the mm-hmm. business you know absolutely we need the collaboration between people and health and safety but we need EDI involved in the conversation we need change and transformation involved in the conversation L&D, reward and recognition, um, sustainability with a small s, you know, risk management. And I think that heart, putting the heart back into health and safety, I think broadens the fact that being vulnerable, no matter what part of the business you're in, you know, we're all part of a bigger society. Mm -hmm. To your point, Louise, we've got some massive societal systemic problems. Mm -hmm. We all need to have that vulnerability and it starts with inclusion safety um learner safety contributor safety and challenger safety you know there's there's a lot to it so that lends again um, yeah i think i'm 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 sort of leaning towards change you know and it's something that i said to um a while ago is putting the heart into all that we do so you know i'm not just thinking about health and safety anymore now that i've done this full loop and done this full circle um my world of environmental health um takes social sustainability to a completely different level Mm. um and you know we have experts in those five pillars i you know went from being food safety expert to health and safety expert as my specialism but i'm really interested in how we bring all those pillars together as well um and 
I genuinely believe that this is going to take social sustainability to a completely different level. So exciting. Pete tells me that you've done some absolutely amazing work with women in safety in your role at IOSH. Um, And I know you've just explicitly explained, you know, this is so much bigger than just the safety Mm -hmm. lens. But I'd love to hear a little bit about some of the, the work that you've been doing with women. Yeah, so um, we know that in the health and safety community in particular, is, I mean, and this is borne out from, you know, where has health and safety come from? So, you know, health and safety is traditionally heavy industry, factories, construction, those types of industries offshore. Um, and so, you know, there haven't traditionally been that many women in health and safety. Um, and the issue here for me in respect of this is, is kind of twofold. Um, on, if we don't have women in health and safety leadership positions, there's going to be parts of what we're doing that we're, that aren't going to be seen. So, um, we know that the data sets that we use for exposures to certain substances have been based on the average man. Now, women have a completely different body chemistry and, you know, give birth to life. So it doesn't work. Um, for years and years, we've been trying to get equal PPA that actually fits and, and I could go on. So, so we're not seeing health and safety through the lens of a woman. Um, the other issue in respect of this is that women bring that diversity. We bring a different set of, um, soft skills, which I don't like to call soft. I think they're power skills. Um, and so we bring that, you know, and this isn't to say all women because there are plenty of men who have these skills as well, but they're more kind of feminine traits of, collaboration working together when when somebody comes at you with that energy of I'm going to tell you how to do this job you know having that natural ability to kind of um, lower the temperature when things get heated and so bringing those skills into our community at the same time as we've got this much closer focus on health means that we're going to get better results within our organizations. But it takes, you know, the, the issue around this is women are not applying for these roles. Um, and I, I, I've been at the Excel today. I had a conversation with somebody today who was like, I'm really not sure. I'm just, you know, it's that archetypal. I don't tick all the boxes. Mm. And, you know, when I applied for this job, I hadn't applied for a job for over 20 years. And I went through the same stuff. You know, what am I doing? (laughs) I'm never going to get this job. And so if they're not putting themselves forward, they really won't get the job. If you don't put yourself out there, you're not going to get it. And I think it's creating a community that supports one another to say, you absolutely have this. You are good enough. You've got the technical skills. Um, you know, just go out there and do it. And believe me, there's also men out there that, you know, I'm, when I talk about masculine and feminine traits, women can be on the masculine end, men can be on the feminine 
end of these traits. Um, and I have lots and lots of men who come to me as well who say, I don't feel like I could do this. Um, and you, it's just about putting yourself out there. But again, coming back to psych health and safety, um, if you don't feel safe, you're not going to take that next step. Mm. Inspiring work. Thank you, Louise. So, Louise, in your new yes. role, yes. Uh, how do you see yourself being able to promote psychological health and safety in what is a traditionally a very different hazard-based yeah, it is. Career. So, I mean, I, at the moment, I'm very much in kind of learning, listening, planning mode. Um, but being able to join the dots between the five pillars is, is a really interesting one for me. Um, I'm certainly going to be looking at it, um, with my colleagues on the executive management team, um, in respect of internally. Um, so, you know, I feel internally, if we can demonstrate that we're doing this within the organization, it sends out a really clear message, um, to our members of how we value this. Um, yeah. And I, I, at the moment, I probably can't answer that question. Um, but really want to support our members. I want to support our, you know, part of what I'm going to do is, is create a new, um, new opportunities for volunteers. And when we bring those volunteers in is, you know, ensuring that they feel, you know, safe. They feel, you know, they can give a valuable con contribution and, you know, they're being treated in the right kind of way. And I think having been in a presidential team and, you know, I, I can really relate to that. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time for me over the next couple of years. You'll be, you'll do all right. I'm confident that you <laughs> will bring psych health and safety into the 21st century. Um, yeah, we, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, we've got, you know, we've, we have seven and a half thousand members at the moment. And, um, you know, CIH is not a big place, um, in terms of, of the charity. Um, the advantage of that is it makes us incredibly agile. And, yeah. you know, we, we punch above our weight in a lot of areas. So, um, yeah, I'm getting to know members, getting to know, um, staff. I've got a fantastic team. Um, so yeah, really keen to sort of, you know, pull this through or, you know, all the way through as a, as a golden thread throughout the organization. Yeah. And I think that's really important because health is, you know, health and safety is about the management of risk. And, you know, mm -hmm. you have a, you have a whole organization. Here who's yeah. fundamentally there, you know, what we want to do is differentiate between, you know, psychological safety, which is the ability to feel free to talk about what I mean, we've actually, what about these risk factors in the workplace, like high demands, low control, low support, yeah. how are they impacting? Um, yeah. Actually, interestingly enough, if you, you look at decisions that are made in the, you know, in the context of the organization that you're working with and the, the, the inspections they do, human factors or the human decision-making processes um, is a large part of that. So I think it's, mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm very hopeful 
that um, your your sphere of influence will continue. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm, I I, I want to look at it differently. You know, I think there's um, there's an awful lot of scope for us, but I I I'm I'm you can tell that I I don't know the answer completely to that question yet because I'm not far enough in. Um, you know, but I'm a member of the executive management team, so you know I've got direct responsibilities. Um, for those within the CIH, um, and I recognise what change feels like, and you know, just me coming in is a change for them. So, you know, how am I relating to them in my first, you know, few months within this role? Um, so, yeah, I I can't completely answer that question yet, Peter. No, that's fine, but on day fifteen, you might. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll leave that yeah. one for next week. You can leave that one for next week, but you know. But uh, yeah, so I no, no. But, but I mean, it's good to think about it. It's good to think of mm. you know. I think going forward in that, very exciting. And yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. It, for me, it ties in with how we speak to one another, how we exchange ideas, how we um, bring environmental health professionals together that are working in different sectors or. You know, how do we get um, those that are working in local authorities to work more closely with their private sector colleagues? And, um, it, you know, fundamentally, it feels like they're different roles. But the message that, you know, I feel should be out there is that we have so much in common. We all have the same purpose at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're touching on, you know, interpersonal relationships um which is one of the the key factors as pete said psychological health and safety looks at social factors at work which is interpersonal Mm -hmm. relationships and change management so you've kind of identified those two as key potential hazards that there Mm -hmm. could be you know control measures or better ways of working so Mm -hmm. exciting to see what that looks like but we are coming to the end of our time together it's been amazing but i'd love you to just wrap up for us louise with um leaving the listeners with one key learning point that you feel is worth standing up for given the conversation that we've had in the past 30 to 35 minutes oh wow i I just i just think and and i'm going to repeat something that pete always says do you know what when we're with our friends we open up and we talk and we care about how they feel um and in terms of what we do and the people you know the person that we take to work with us um is to extend that compassion and care and genuinely put people first and that can be a hard thing for leaders to do when they might be faced with a horrific balance sheet um but purely by putting your people first they will in turn put their role you know they will give more to their roles they'll be their their authentic selves and they're going to work to their strengths to solve you know some of these complex issues that we're all facing right now absolutely human-centered right absolutely yeah great that was wonderful louise thank you for jumping on last minute after it really us. was <laughs> absolutely manic couple of days and weeks and we wish you all the best thank you maybe i'll come on in a year's time and i can tell you how it's gone we would (laughs) love that but no 
love to, to stay in touch and, and watch your journey. But for our listeners, thank you so much for being here today. Um, do like and subscribe to the Psych Health and Safety podcast. You can connect with Peter, myself on LinkedIn, and I'm sure Louise as well. Follow and see the journey that you're going to be going on. Um, you can watch this on YouTube. You can also catch it on Spotify or on the um, iTunes podcast on Apple. And we just thank you for being here. We are looking for other podcast uh, guests. So if you have got something to say, you want to join Pete and I, please do reach out to us and we wish you a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Psych Health and Safety Podcast. To stay up to date with the latest on psychological injury prevention, follow Flourish DX on LinkedIn and subscribe to the Psych Health and Safety Podcast at www.psychhealthandsafety.com.